everyone, this is X O'Connor, and you are listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. We have another killer episode for you today. We've got Mike Murray of Integrity Publishing and David Leonard of All Sons and Daughters in the studio live from our most recent songwriters retreat. It's a killer episode diving into the importance of relationships and collaboration in all parts of music. I know you guys hear us talk about this a lot, but it can't be understated. It can't be overstated even. It's so important in any part of life, but in music especially, the relationship and collaboration is such a crucial part of finding success. And these guys are a wealth of wisdom. So you're going to want to listen all the way up to the end. And just so you guys know, we have a lot more of these intimate live events coming up all throughout 2018. And to find out more about these events, head on over to fullcirclegoeslive.com. And if you want to just keep up with our everyday happenings here around the studio, follow us on Instagram at official FC music. Now, one more thing before we jump into this episode, we've been talking about it the past couple of weeks. We are reaching our 100th episode here coming at the end of January. There's going to be some very exciting changes to the show. We can't wait to share it with you guys. So just be on the lookout for that. Be ready because you guys are going to love it. And again, if you're enjoying the show, if you're on YouTube, hit subscribe, give us a like, leave us some comments. If you're on iTunes, leave us a great review. We always love hearing from our listeners. Let us know what you think of the show. But that's enough for me. Let's dive into our episode live from the Songwriters Retreat with Mike Murray and David Leonard. Hi, my name is Mike Murray. I am with Integrity Music. I look after publishing there. I've been there for about eight and a half years, and we could work backwards. This will be the fun way to do it. So prior to that, I was at Provident Music for four and a half years, working with mostly in sales and marketing there. I wasn't actually in publishing. And then rewind a little bit further to seven, spent seven years at Capital CMG, which at the time was called EMI CMG. Worked with Stacy Wilbur at the time. Spent about seven years there with, you know, learning a lot. This is back in the day when you could release a band on, on tooth and nail and still sell a quarter of a million records. So I miss those days. Let's pause for a moment of silence. Okay. Yes, yeah, spent seven years at Capital CMG. Then before that, I was a road manager for Jeff Moore in the Distance. Mm. Then rewind a little bit further back, I was uh, a roadie for and merch guy and monitor engineer for a vocal group called For Him. This is long before any of you were born, probably. Yeah, then college studying music composition at a school that didn't really have a music business program. We just kind of manufactured a major out of uh, out of some adjunct faculty that they that they put together so I could major in what I wanted to. So it was kind of cool. But graduated from University of Mobile in 92, and I've been working in Nashville for the last 24 years, almost right after that, working at labels for about 20 of those 24 years. Yeah, my, my passions are listening to songs, working with songwriters, and then connecting people with people, and connecting people with songs, and just watching things go from writer room to radio over and over and over again. I think if if you're like me, it's a little bit like a drug where you you know, you get in a room with somebody, you write something that didn't exist three hours before and then watching it, watching what God gets to do with it beyond that. That's just that right there is the dream, dream job for me. So and yeah, and I get the chance to work with guys like David Leonard from All Sons and Daughters, who's been with us for about seven years and writing and producing and big songs like Grady Lord and Anyway, take it away, man. That's my introduction right there. That was there. so much information in such a short amount of time. I don't usually do short impressive. amount of time. Thanks. Pretty Thanks. impressive. I moved here in 05. Grew up in Southeast Arkansas. Anybody from Arkansas? Nope. 
Nobody. <laughs> Anybody ever been to Arkansas? Missouri's kind of close. There we go. Hey, one person been to Arkansas. We got that going for us. Pretty exciting. Moved here in 05, had a band in college, signed a deal with Word Records and put out a record. Didn't do anything, really. It was kind of one of those things we were and we were like the all things to all people band. Like we could be the worship band, we could be the bar band, we could be, you know, the wedding party band, like we could bar mitzvahs, anything you needed, we could do it. We could figure it out. Bible schools, you know, we were really great at Pharaoh Pharaoh and like that kind of stuff. Like we could kill those things, but it was really difficult moving to town and signing a deal and then being able to do all those things, which we thought was like a great quality, but it was actually like the thing that killed us because we had no idea who we were, who we were writing songs for, who we were creating for. And so that thing kind of flopped. We ended up stopping that. And I started playing keys for this band called Need to Breathe. And I did that for two years. And during that time is when uh, me and my wife started attending a church here in Franklin called Journey Church. And I fell in love with the community there. She started going to a small group. She dragged me to one, one Tuesday night because I did everything I could to avoid those situations. I didn't want anybody to hear my problems and I definitely didn't want to hear anybody else's. And I just tried to keep myself away from that stuff. But then when I got there, I listened to these 12 people share their hearts and they actually, they actually cared. They listened and I felt like I saw grace for the first time, which was a, a really beautiful thing, especially through the season we were walking through. And it became like the thing that I was like the most attracted to. Like I loved the community aspect of doing life with these guys. And so out of that, started writing songs, met Leslie, who I started All Sons and Daughters with. And we just had one desire, which was to create and to make songs for our church. We couldn't do, there was like a lot of songs that didn't really fit with the season that we were walking through, through our church. And so a lot of the songs, especially in the first couple of records, were so specific to what our church was going through. So it was a lot of lament stuff and questions and things like that. And, you know, we never thought that the songs that we wrote would resonate outside of our four walls. And so it was kind of a crazy thing to see how God started using those in other churches and stuff like that. And so it's been a crazy seven years. We're extremely thankful for for what we've got to do and what we've got to be a part of. And this last year, we've taken a year off and we've just been kind of pouring back into home and filling back up. So it's been really fun to get to be a part of some really fun records producing and writing a ton and getting to do stuff like this. So this is the life-giving thing to me, getting to sit in a room with guys who are you know, we're all doing the same thing, whether or not you do it professionally or whether you do it as a hobby. It's like we're all creating and wanting to to do things that, you know, initially inspire the people and creates things that people love and enjoy. And so anytime we get to sit in a place like this and share and listen and laugh and all that kind of stuff, I, I love those opportunities. So thanks for having us today and to be a part of this thing. What's really cool about their dynamic is you've got a the, the writer and publisher relationship. At these songwriting retreats, we get a lot of questions about publishing. What does the business side of it look like? You guys can share a little bit about how, how does that work? Like maybe go all the way back to the beginning. Like how do you get a publishing deal? Mike, you can talk about that. And what does the writer-publisher relationship look like? And how can a writer best, you know, be set up to win 
in the eyes of a publisher. So maybe dive into that a little bit. I think one of the best ways a writer can be set up to win is, well, first of all, be excellent at their craft, but specialize more in the relationship than in the thing that you're trying to create. I think people, relationships with people, to me personally, outweigh what it is that I'm trying to get them to do with me or for me to do for them. So guys like David, who are a great hang in the writer room, in the writing space, and it's not just about the next three hours that they're going to spend together or the end goal, but as much as just, hey, you know, preferring one another in love, serving. So I, I work at a, a publisher that specializes in songs for the church. Integrity Music's been around for a little over 30 years. And so what we get to do is not just create a cool song that you'll hear on Caleb, hopefully, getting to see songs take life in the church locally and around the world. So we spend a lot of time investing in writers that are worship leaders that are just trying to serve their local church, like David was talking about, just serving Journey, trying to write for their church. He wasn't necessarily, you know, set out to, hey, let's write a big hit for Caleb. But so one of the things I think in answer to Seth's he put forward was relationships, being great at your craft and then just being great in the writer room. And then the publisher gets to come in and brag on you. You know, if you're excellent at your craft, people are going to hear about you. If you're attending events like this, I get to speak at these things from time to time. You probably can't tell I'm not the, I'm not really a comfortable public speaker, but I get to do these kinds of things periodically throughout the year. And independent writers will come up and say, hey, so how do I get a publisher to pay attention to my songs? Well, you're here. We're hanging out today. That's number one. You've made relationships with people that are in this room that I know, in addition to Seth and Stacy and Jericho and X, you've got, I mean, Tony Wood is one of the biggest legends in Nashville. If you haven't met, I see you hiding back there. <laughs> if you haven't spent time with Tony Wood, you need to get to know him, not to have Tony brag about you, but that's a guy who will go into places where I, we're writing together. Const- sorry, no, we're not writing. He's writing constantly with our writers. And so he could very well come from this and go, hey, Murray, there was this guy that was there that wrote this song. You should check it out. That's one way that, you know, that writers are getting publisher attention. You know what I mean? So we're, because we're constantly head on the swivel, constantly looking around for where's that next, let's say, good, good father or that next revelation song or that next mighty to save or whatever, that next great of you, Lord. So you're a writer, you get a publisher's attention, then what? So what I get to do is, like I said, brag on guys like David all the time. I get to call guys in town and say, hey, so David's been working on this, you know, Dove Award winning Latin Grammy nominated album for Jackie Velasquez. David just produced a few months back Jackie's latest record. He just produced a couple of songs for Brandon Heath. It's uh, better if you brag while I'm not here. It's like, it's awkward. I know when you're here. I'm trying, well, I'm trying to, I'm, my point is this is a good example of, it's fun to brag while you're here though, because yeah, it's fun. Yeah. But, and now he's producing an album for a Provident band, a band at Provident Music called I Am They some songs that he he wrote with them that he's producing, but some additional songs as well. So the benefit, Seth and everybody, the benefit obviously of having a publisher is that they get to go and, and talk about how awesome you are. I think this is one thing I tell a writer that's coming on a little strong. You know, if they're here and I need them here, which happens sometimes, I'll say things like, you're probably really, really good at what you do, but I want somebody else to tell me how awesome you are rather than you tell me how awesome you are. But I'll listen all day long if Seth or Stacy goes, Murray, there's this worship, there's this girl from Des Moines that just, she's leading worship in her church. You've got to, like, I will stop what I'm doing and listen. But if I'm at a, you know, just in Kroger trying to get a pack of gum and the girl comes up to me and, you know, stalking, you know, a little bit weird. That's kind of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So 
I don't know. Did I answer a couple of those things you threw out? <laughs> no, that that was. Well, I'm a, so well don't said. go to Kroger. Number one, talking <laughs> with Kroger. Don't be stalker. <laughs> David, what do you got to add? To that what is the writer publisher relationship? Yeah, I mean, I think like? this. I've had a couple different ones. I think this last relationship that I've had with Mike and. It's been extremely different. I guess I get to brag on Mike a little bit. We'll flip it and I'll brag on you. But Mike truly does have a huge heart for creating songs for the church and facilitating songs for the church. And so when I have a guy that I'm working with and he's so passionate about getting these songs in the hands, not because of what it will gain him or gain the label, but truly because what it will gain the church when you have songs that will literally change lives because this stuff does. Like, whether we're aware of it or not, people are moved by songs and and things happen when they hear these things. And when you have somebody who's so passionate about it, it, it makes you want to create more. It makes you want to write more. It makes you want to pour in more. And so I, I've been so thankful to have a guy that hasn't been a guy that's like been breathing down my neck going, hey, why haven't you got me this or this or this? But he's been such a champion. And so, you know, I, I would say even with the people that you surround yourself with, you don't need yes people in your lives. Mm-hmm. Like, like, don't just surround your, yourself with people who are going to go, Oh, it's always awesome. Like, it's great, it's great, it's great. Like, you need people who are going to challenge you and who are going to speak truth into it. But at the same time, you know, your judge of character with those people are are pretty, you should take it seriously because what you do really does have the abilities to go further than you ever could think it could. And so when you're sharing this stuff, like, know that that carries weight and know the people that you share it with, like, make sure you know who you're showing it to because if you're going to allow their comments to shape you like and shape the things that you do, make sure that their character lines up with the same things that you feel like they're saying. Because I would hate for you to abandon ship on something who has a problem with something else. Like, And then all of a sudden your idea is completely killed. You're deflated. You're done with it when it could have been something that could have been extremely life-giving. So criticism is awesome and you learn from it, you grow from it, but don't let it shape you. Like don't let it deflate you. Take the good things, move on. But if you have convictions when you're writing songs, if there's something that you know you have to write and you have to get it out, do it. Like, cause you gotta get it out. In order to move on to the next thing, sometimes there are things that we have to write and it might be awful. It might be like a really bad song. But you have to get it out to move to the next one. Somebody always told me, you got to write the bad ones to write the good ones. And so allow yourself to go through that process, but surround yourself with people who continue to champion you, continue to push you. And so I'm thankful for this guy. He, I feel like no one has, has championed me more in the last seven years than this guy has. And we shared an office for like four years. So we saw each other every day. And it was kind of fun to become friends first and then then we work together and so it's been a cool journey Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. awesome so you guys have got mike murray and david leonard absolute legends in nashville i'm sure you guys have a ton of questions and since we're recording this on the podcast i'm going to awkwardly repeat the question after they ask them so i'm not just like doing that because it's (laughs) fun so yeah so let's just open it up 
So the question is signing somebody who's maybe not necessarily an artist, but just focusing on songwriting. So at Integrity, I'll speak from my experience here in what I'm doing. So I've got some staff. We have some staff writers that are not artists that are just in you know, day-to-day, Monday through Friday, 10 to 1 and 2 to 5, hustling, writing all the time. But ultimately for us, the reason I'm saying for integrity, I'm going to speak for integrity, is but ultimately they're writing for something. If they're not leading every Sunday at their church on staff necessarily, they're probably leading to some degree and they have the ability to write a song on a Saturday that they can test out at their home church on a Sunday and kind of the litmus test of, well... So one of our staff writers, a guy named Michael Farron, who used to be an artist, had a band called Pocket Full of Rocks. Another one is Chrissy Nordoff, who wrote Your Great Name. So Michael and Chrissy, every you know every Monday through Friday, they're writing stuff, but they've both got a church here in town, actually where I attend, called Gateway Franklin, where they will write something and then test it out at our church. You know, probably that next Sunday, a little, very quickly, they'll test something out. So, and then get a feel for, hey, this is, the, the church really responds to this. This this probably has some legs to it, right? So in answer to your question, a writer that's not necessarily pursuing artistry, that's a staff writer, how is to collaborate? I'm assuming there's some time for co-writing in this weekend. So more than likely, you're going to write with pro-writers, I'm guessing, that are here. So there's the option right there. You're going to be writing with, and you're already writing with some pro-writers here for some songs that Seth and Stacy and their team are going to hear that they are good stewards of the the students and the content that comes from these things where they go to the certain places and go, oh, hey, this writer has some significant potential. Murray, this guy is leading. Where are you from? Spokane. Spokane. So that's a great place for God to be doing some beautiful things. Um, you don't have to be in Nashville to, uh, by the way, let's just, clear that up. You don't have to, yeah, there's rights that are happening here every day that you don't, if you don't live here, you don't get to be a part of necessarily. But thanks to the interwebs, we have Skype and FaceTime. I've got a guy named Mitch that lives in Melbourne, Australia, that's written with some of Seth's guys and is going to be doing some more with some others over the next few weeks. Where was I going with that? Oh, the point is being a, a writer that's not an artist necessarily, you're just, we're meeting. I'll chat with you afterwards too and find out what you're writing about and people you're writing with. And it's really just, it's a relationship. It's time. It's waiting for God to open doors. And if you, and I'm not just saying this is the future, but if you are attending Full Circle Academy, you go back to Spokane and you keep writing for what you're writing for there with the people that you have access to there. If you're writing with some people from that you meet here over FaceTime or Skype and those things, you know, do what they do. That's, I mean, as long as you keep writing and keep writing and keep writing, you're already doing it. But as far as being a a signed writer, it's relationships and, you know, publishers are going to sign, continue signing songwriters that are delivering the kind of stuff that they need. So, yeah, but it does still happen. Publishers are still signing songwriters all the time. So other questions, David, once you find inspiration for a song, what does your process look like of next steps, fleshing it out? I mean, the thing is, is I don't even know if I can pinpoint the last time I wrote a song by myself. Thinking back on it, it's, it's kind of been funny of, of going, being in the world that we're in and the amount of times that we get together with people, writing songs by myself has become a lost art form. And so that kind of inspiration and that kind of stuff usually comes in a group 
now. So walking through that process with a group of going, walking in for a day and going, hey, today my kid said this and it sparked this kind of thing. It's really fun to see the light bulbs go off around the room of going the common thread. You know, you, you tend to see the common thread of of where God's speaking things in the people that you're writing stuff with. So all of it usually starts with conversation, mm-hmm. the beauty of story and and the beauty of, of how people can find that peace that they all connect to because everybody would go, oh, this is happening here, this is happening here. But after that, it, it, the way that we've kind of always done is we've we've always tried to go back to scripture or old prayers or old hymns or something like that, that we're tying things back to truth. Like we try to say things new and, and we try to do that kind of stuff, but we always try to plant things in truth. And at the same time, we're always thinking about the church and how this is going to, how people are going to be able to respond to this and, and where it would fit. So it's a lot like picking songs on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, ah, this could go after the offertory, you know, this is the offertory song or this is the the first one. But a lot of times it's just taking the things that you're inspired by and then starting to have a conversation and then just being open. Like songwriting is such an open-handed thing. Like one idea that you have that you come in with, like I, I had to learn to be so open-handed with it because if I came in and I was like, nah, it's got to stay right here. I felt like I lost so many things and so many opportunities because I was so closed-minded about, no, my thing's right. Like, and, and I wasn't open to what actually God could have done with it. And one thing that we kind of started adopting was taking the pressure off of every single right and going, all right, guys, so if, if like what we're doing right now is simply for right now, if this is just for us to experience you today and in this room and in this space, then let us encounter you. And it like took all the pressure off of us of trying to create something that was bigger than what we were. We were just trying to create something that allowed us to encounter and engage with God. And which is funny because when that happens, it, tends to work out that other people relate to it and they have the same experience with it. So the less you take your eyes off of these grand things that you're supposed to do with these things and the more you put your focus back on, hey, I'm just supposed to enjoy meeting with you. I'm just supposed to enjoy hanging out with you. And, you know, Andy Rozier is like this dude that's like, he's like, Yoda, you know, it's like a guy you want to sit under for forever. He's up at Harvest in Chicago. And I was sitting with him last week. And one of the big things that I've always struggled with growing up in the South and being in church was the amount of time I spend with God, like my quiet times and all this kind of stuff. And I've, I carried so much weight and I still carry weight of the amount of time that I've spent with God. And I beat myself up over it. You know, if I miss something or I don't do enough and and I just, I beat myself up over it. But we're sitting there and I'm talking to him about this and we're sitting here in this co-write. And I've been thinking, and we have been writing songs, you know, all day. So we've been sitting in there for six hours. It's like, do you understand that for six hours, you've been hanging out with God, diving into his word, singing to him, responding to him. And it just like blew my mind because it's like all of a sudden it went from something that was so much, that was work to all of a sudden it was my very chance to encounter him. And it was like this thought of God gives us these gifts, not because we can do great things with him, but because we can hang out with him. 
You know, he's like, he gave you this gift to write and to sing because he wants to hang out with you. And it's like, whoa. It's like, what do I do with that? It's like, that changes everything for me. If I just get to create and hang out with God, like, man, like that's a different kind of thing. You're writing different songs. So allow yourself to be, to be able to just take the pressure off of big things and allow them to be real things. Even if you're not writing worship songs, if you're writing a pop song for the day or country song for the day or polka, whatever, the opportunity to spend time with the person you're co-writing with, hanging with them is, I think, vital for, it, it informs what you're writing for that next write and the next write after that and the time you spend with them after that. Again, what I said earlier about caring more about people than what you're trying to get from them or give to them or them give to you. You know what I mean? Just relationships are key. That's a great question. She asked, do you have any advice to people who are wanting to keep faith in a song that's maybe not directed towards the church or towards a Christian audience? Yeah. I went to the CMAs the other day and like, it was really interesting. I've never done anything in country world, but I like sitting there. I was so intrigued because I feel like country music is one of those genres that might be the greatest genre of all because you literally can cross all lines. Like as a country artist, you can step into the gospel world and nobody thinks anything about it because it's like, oh, of course you believe in God or whatever. And then you can step into the pop world and you can do stuff over there because yeah, of course it's like whatever. But like, it's the one genre to me. It was like mind blowing. The one genre that you can cross all lines. It's like, cause if you're in the pop world and then all of a sudden you put out a Christian song, you're like, what is that guy doing? It's like, it's so interesting. Or if you're in the Christian world and you put out a pop song, everybody's praying for you because, you know, (laughs) then, you know, whatever, you know, but country music, you can do them all and everybody champions it. So, I mean, I think for me in those kind of worlds and that kind of stuff, it's always right in truth. Truth always transcends feelings, whether it's God-related or whether it's boyfriend-related. It's being honest and being completely transparent with what you're writing. So just let the thing that you want to write happen, you know, and don't worry about what happens with it or who says what about it. But it's like, have an honest, honest interpretation of of what you're feeling and and just put it out in the country market and you'll be fine. So (laughs) there's a... There's an author, there's a female author named Stacy. Is it Brene Brown? Is that her name? Yeah, Brene Brown. Brene yeah. Brown. Is that it? She's got a book about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. What's the title of the book? Is it vulnerability? I mean, is that it? Like, and a podcast as well. So the point of bringing up Brene Brown in this book, she's got about. If you just Google Brene B R E N E Brown vulnerability, she's got a TED talk that led to a book that's led to these podcasts. It's a phenomenal, but she's addressing. She's not addressing Christians. She's just addressing people and talking about vulnerability is like this secret sauce to living a full life. And I think if you're writing a song about just being vulnerable, and that doesn't just mean like you know. Obviously, just, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, I don't have to go too deep on that, but just being vulnerable with people and being honest and real and human. Yes, the question was, do you see more cuts happening from staff writers writing with artists or just getting together as writers and pitching songs? 
I would say nine out of 10 or even a better percentage, 99 out of 100 are coming from getting in the room with the artist making the record. There are those songs that are, that people are going to find out about that I'm going to pitch to like Mandisa on her most recent album. Her last track is a song called Back to Life that interestingly enough, the song I was referring to that Michael Farron and Chrissy Nordoff wrote that we tested out at her church was this song called Back to Life that I pitched to them and she recorded. But most of the time it's getting in the room with the artist making the record and helping them to express what it is that they're trying to express. Yeah. Great question. Time for two more questions. It's a good question. So advice to an artist starting out in the very beginning stages, how do you grow and where do you start? I'd say the best place for, he's talking about reach, is write something that more than your inner circle, your mom, your wife, your girlfriend, your buddy says is awesome. Get some people to give you some feedback on, find that song, put it up on YouTube, Facebook, and you've got hopefully that's a place for reach right there for opportunity for things to, as we say now, go viral. You don't have to, in fact, the definition of to, to be published is to make public. So once you've made public this particular song that, you know, again, people around you are going, Oh my gosh, but what's your name? Samuel. Samuel. Oh my gosh. Like people are finding out about Samuel's songs and then you put that sucker up on YouTube and you begin to see reach from that. YouTube, Facebook, things like that. SoundCloud, iTunes, obviously using TuneCore or whatever, CD Baby. But I don't think in 2017, you have to have a publisher or a label to have reach. It's good. It's good to, good to have a partner. Good to have somebody to brag on you. Good to have some somebody that'll help add mass to your rock you're throwing in the water to have a ripple. But at the end of the day, if you're doing something compelling, something remarkable, and remarkable simply means worth remarking about, you know, again, YouTube, Facebook, although I'd recommend YouTube, they pay horrible, but Facebook doesn't pay anything. So horrible is better than nothing. So we can talk about that too, if you want. I would add as well that figure out who you write songs for and then like, just do it. Like that's one of the number one things of starting out as an artist, like figuring out who your audience is. Cause there's so many, nowadays there's so many ways you can go that it it's so easy to water down a lot of different things because you have, you're able to reach in so many different ways. But the things that I feel like really impact are specifically come out of a certain thing are specifically created for a specific person mm-hmm. or thing. And so figure out who you write songs for and then just do it. And then at the end of the day, you're able to impact the people that you have most greatly wanted to go after. And then whatever pours out of that pours out of it, which is probably a more genuine like interpretation of your feelings and who you are as an artist and which is something that we need more of is more genuine interpretations from artists to put out things that are real Mm -hmm. things and not just trying to be the next YouTube sensation. You know what I'm saying? So create those things, go after those people and then just watch what happens. I'm not going to guarantee that things will happen. But I'm telling you that it will impact the people that you're creating for. And that sometimes is the greatest thing. A fun example is John Mark McMillan. Integrity, we published his song, How He Loves, that sort of put him on the map, if you will. And John, he wrote 100% of that, which is rare, also rare these days. But he didn't sit out however many years ago, 10 years ago, to go, you know, okay, today I'm going to write a song about the love of God. 
which is a, an easy topic for any of us to kind of grab and go, I want to write about the love of God. You know, it's, it's inexhaustible. But no, a very close, very, very close personal friend of his lost his life. I don't remember the exact backstory right off the top of my head, but he was walking through some authentic, that's the word David was talking about, authenticity, some authentic pain and needed to get it out. The best writers in the world know how to tap into that, whether it's their own pain or somebody else's, and not just pain, but again, vulnerability, tapping into that and having something to say, something of substance to say, rather than just, hmm, let's write a song about, you know, trees or whatever. Sat down and poured his heart and soul out into the song, How He Loves, and wasn't writing, trying to write. He was also wasn't going, hey, I should write something for my church this week. My pastor's talking about God's love. He just was raw and honest and so raw that David Crowder felt compelled to change a lyric. Well, that's pretty raw, right? Cause, cause Crowder goes, Hmm, sloppy wet kiss. That's, that's touch far. Let's go in unforeseen kiss, which was another publishing conversation we can talk into about, you know, changing people's songs. But so anyway, so authenticity, man, that's, if I could say anything, it's just love people. Well, be authentic, be a incredible student of the game and don't ever settle on where you're at. Always push forward. Keep that blade sharp as heck. Be a student of the game. Study what everybody else is writing and write from places of honest honesty and vulnerability. All right. Well, how about a hand for David Leonard and Mike Murray? Y'all are awesome. Amazing. So good. Hey, everyone. This is X O'Connor, and you've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. This show is produced by the Full Circle Music Company with editing help from Jordan Salamone and Jericho Scroggins. Again, if you want to find out more about events like the one you just heard this recording from, head on over to fullcirclegoeslive.com to sign up for more information. And if you want to keep up with everything Full Circle Music on a day-to-day basis, make sure to follow us on Instagram at officialfcmusic. Again, 100th episode coming up end of this month. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be big, big doings. We're so excited to share it with all of you. Thanks again so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week.